Hello and welcome to another episode of Hello Government of the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and yes, holy shit. <laughs> it's been a week, huh? Not a week. Um, last, it's been a month for me recording for an sure. episode. <laughs> and, and it's funny because... I look back at like the previous year because I did the whole thank you like towards New Year's Day. I, I, I did a whole thank you tagging everybody that I interviewed on Twitter last year. And I was like 20 people, 20 or so people total. And looking at this year and all what's going on that's happening in the world, I'm going to be like at the end of the year, it's just going to be like two people. <laughs> two or three it, people. It'll, it'll be quite interesting to see how uh, this impacts telecommuting and um, uh, remote work in the near future. I feel like, I mean, this generation is probably a little bit better equipped to handle it than, than most, um, but I don't think we were prepared for it to be used this widespread this soon. So it's it'll be interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this how this changes things going forward. So uh Sean Chiplock, how's quarantine life been treating you so far? You know, I I can't say I I think in the near future it's going to ha- affect me more, but in uh the current now <laughs> in the current future, excuse my language. Um it, not much has changed. Like, uh, I guess it, it helps that voiceover tends to be a more isolated industry anyway. Uh, when we go into record, you know, when I go to a session, I'm leaving from my apartment, I drive in my car, I go to the studio, and usually the only other people I'm working with are the director, um, a, uh, a sound engineer, maybe one of the representative clients. Uh, but even when I'm recording, I'm going to be in the recording booth by myself. It's just me and the microphone. So, um, you know, obviously they've been more uh, diligent about cleaning their spaces. They've been, you know, using Lysol wipes, using disinfectant, using hand sanitizer. Um, and uh, But for the most part, at least for the last two weeks, it hasn't really slowed down the recording process. However, I say that um, while also knowing that as of late, pretty much every studio uh, in some regard has either reduced down to a bare bones staff uh, where it's literally just the minimum number of people required for the recording, often just the actor and the sound engineer. And many more are now also starting to reach out to uh, voice talent asking about their home recording capabilities, uh, which is good because it's helping with the self-quarantine, but it's also um, very dangerous. I wouldn't say dangerous. It's also concerning for a lot of talent uh, because I imagine many of us, you know, could probably have stood to upgrade our home recording setups. And now we're in a position where we're trying to figure out, you know, are we still able to come into studios to record? Are we going to have to shed some money uh, in order to upgrade our setups so that we can provide, you know, studio quality. It's it's a very strange and trying time for a lot of different people. So it, it, it right now we're, we're smack dab in the middle of it where not much has changed, but I feel like a lot of stuff is going to change really soon. Um, no, it's crazy because, like, um, you know, before, like, the quarantine happened in, in my neck of the woods – I, w- I had just, like, contacted someone else for an interview, and they're like, yeah, sure. Right. And then they're like, yeah, I'll check, right. my, I'll check my schedule. And then when that happened, nothing. Like, right. they just went, like, off the grid. And I'm kind of worried now. I'm kind of like, oh, I hope I hope that person's safe. I hope that yeah, person's yeah. safe. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad that people are taking it so seriously, but I'm sure – even while they're taking it seriously, a lot of people are thoroughly confused about just just what's going on. Like the stock market's so volatile, you know, everyone's grocery shopping in a panic. It's it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time. No, I mean, because I, I I remember like the the whole like TP fiasco that happened a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like it made me think of like this home movies quote with Jason where he's like, ah, I need more TP. <laughs> yes. I used to watch home movies a lot uh, when I was younger, back when it was an, a regular thing on Adult Swim. So I, I recall I'm, I'm, many of those scenes now, you know, they were they were amusing if a little strange when I was younger. But now when I see those clips, I'm like, oh, my God, I identify with these characters so much. Hey everybody! This guy steals from charity. You want to, you know, you know, want to shout, shout it out loud? Oh, I'm not a priest. I just, I just dress like a priest. 
No, I'm actually Jewish. Why are you dressed as a prince? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, it's it's crazy because like I I worry because you know I, I've been you know doing this show for a year now. And I've done, you know, I've had like a lot of guests on here and I kind of worry about them because some of them like don't have a social media presence and I'm kind of like, I, I really hope they're okay. Like, <coughs> I really hope they're okay. Right. I totally understand. Especially like, you know, a lot of o- older people, mm-hmm. you know, people who are pushing in, like in their 60s and, and so on, or, you know, 50s and 60s, you know, tend to, you know, are more, um, y- you know. Right. Yeah. I'm trying not to. Not, not to put this in a way that sounds like too doom and gloomish, because I try to keep it light on this show as much as I can. But fuck, man, it's tough. It's really tough. <laughs> it is. No, but but how are you doing? Like how how's uh how's how's this voice acting kid gig working out for you so far? Well, like like I said, you know, you know, if I go in and I check my Google Calendar, if it decides to load on this laptop, um, work's been pretty consistent for me in in the immediate. Uh, I've got, you know, two sessions today. I've got something I got to take care of tomorrow. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's not going to work unless I log into my account. Uh, let's see. Oh, I'll have to do it from here. Um, so this week, you know, I got plenty going on next week. It's very sporadic. Um, it's hard for me to tell right now because I don't know if things are slowing down just because I've hit a slow period where all of the new work, uh, has been finished up or, all of the existing work has been finished up and I don't have enough new work to fill the time or if things are slowing down in part because of the coronavirus and because companies aren't really interested in having people come in to record um, while the self-quarantine is supposed to be going on. So uh, I, like, financially am going to be fine. Um, you know, uh, I have enough of a savings that, you know, even if things got a little dire for a while, if... if uh, most of my spending over the next couple of weeks was on groceries and emergency supplies. You know, we could afford that. Um, mentally, uh, hopefully I don't go too stir crazy. I remember the last time that I had a lot of free time to myself. Uh, I ended up going out and auditioning for, uh, a, uh, performance program at Disneyland California Adventure. Um, and a lot of people would be like, whoa, that's a really big undertaking. You know, that's like one of the biggest companies in the world. And the fact is, at the time that I just auditioned for it because I wanted something to do, I was so bored. Um, so hopefully, you know, we don't run into one of those again or run into one of those situations again. Um, but I think we're just we're just kind of sitting there. We're just kind of gearing up and, and waiting to see what happens because uh, I don't think – Anyone my age or close to my age has uh, has had to deal with something like this before. So it's it's a very uncertain time. Um, but I think I'll be okay. You know, I think myself and the wife will be okay. Uh, the wife's already got herself working from home, so she may actually be working more often than I am in the coming months or coming weeks, maybe, either or. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know we're both introverts, so we're keeping uh, keeping to ourselves, trying to stay healthy. Uh, I'm very grateful that at least from what uh, scientific medical reports say is that coronavirus uh, does not hurt people my age as roughly as it can the elderly. So I still plan on practicing you know social isolation for the protection of people in general. Um, but if I manage to catch coronavirus or if I already have coronavirus, I don't know because doctors won't set any appointments aside unless you're legitimately like really sick. Um, then I, I, I think that will pass and uh, I'll manage to recover without any real damage being done. No, I mean, but it's scary because you and I like are basically like, you know, around the same age, you know, I'm 29, you know, I'll be 30, you know, this year. And it's kind of scary to think right. that, that, you know, Cause I, cause I was worried like when I hit 30, cause it's, it, that's, you know, a huge, you know, landmark. Cause I, I, I kind of worry about what have I accomplished in my twenties? Did I waste my twenties, you know, and, and whatnot. And, you know, so I've never dealt with anything like this before in my life. So, right. Well, I, I, I will give a word, uh, of caution that. I wouldn't worry too much about, oh, what have I done in my 20s? What have I done in my 30s? Uh, there's a lot of celebrity inspirations that I recall um, had a presence but didn't really have their celebrity status. Excuse me a sec. 
uh, didn't have their their widespread celebrity status until later on in their lives. You know, um, Ryan Reynolds is a perfect example of someone who, you know, people knew he existed, but it wasn't until like the last five years that he really exploded on the celebrity scene. How old is the guy? Let me look up real quick. Um, dude is 43 years old. So it wasn't until he was almost 40 that, that he was really starting to, to nail it, uh, when it came to cinema. Um, so you really just focus on what your passion is, uh, what your focus is, what you want to be doing. And if you're not sure, focus on, you know, exploring your options and trying out new things until you figure out what you might want to be doing. Uh, and just do the most you can with the time that you have. I, I feel bad when I hear people saying, oh, you know, I'm almost 30 and I haven't done anything meaningful with my life. You know, I, a lot of people would say they find what I do to be successful. And meanwhile, I'm always looking up at other colleagues of mine going, oh my gosh, they're doing all this cool stuff. And here's what I've managed to do in that time. You know, I'm wasting my life. So it's all, it's all relative. It's all perspective. And I think it's a better mentality if you just tackle, um, doing the best you can with the resources you have while also looking for opportunities to expand, uh, what resources you have in the first place. No, I mean, because I mean, you know, this it was a gamble for me to to even try to to do a, like a interview based show because you know originally the podcast started out like just me and my friend just shooting the shit about like whatever, but right. then you know I just said to myself, okay, you know I'm passionate about voiceover. I've done like a couple voiceover uh, voice actor actor interviews before in the past. You know what's stopping me? Like, mm. you know, we have technology that can easily connect people around the world, and I'm just sitting here not using it to my advantage. Right. And and it's still so surreal to me that I've managed to not only get, like, a, people that I grew up listening to as a kid on here, but that, that I've, you know, that one of them actually follows me on Twitter now. And I'm like, wow, dude, <laughs> really? Right. <laughs> Like I grew up with you, man. Like it's it's so surreal. Like you know, you were like, especially when it's someone who was the v- first voice that I you know recognized. Like the first voice, I kind of was like, oh shit, that's so and so. Right. And then you know, I I have a conversation with him, and then he comes, you know, follows me back on Twitter because of it, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting started. No, no, <laughs> no, you're totally cool, dude. I mean, just. You have to keep in mind that at the end of the day, we're all just human beings. Like, I understand that my career happens to be a little bit more um, social than most. You know, there's a there's a bigger media presence, uh, especially <coughs> especially as voiceover has become um, it, it's become something that uh, uh, the general audience, when especially when it comes to anime and video games, is more aware of now than they were a decade or two ago. Um, it's easier for someone in my uh, position uh, or for someone like me in the career that I'm a part of to be noticed and be idolized, uh, but I don't want people to ever act like that means I'm above them or that I'm a better person than they are. Uh, I've had to deal in the past with you know, people being, oh, I can't believe you, you even bothered to respond to me. This has made my day. I thought, you know, you were way too important for someone like me. And that, that really bugs me because it, it makes me feel bad that just because of the work that I choose to do that, uh, people feel they're beneath me or that they're not worth my time. So again, you know, I'll, I'll probably end up answering a lot of things with try to keep it in perspective, but, um, you know, what you do has no less value than what I do, especially, um, in this day and age, because a lot of people are going to be looking for stuff to listen to the, you know, they want to hear uh, how other people are handling the crisis and you're, you're helping provide those connections. Plus, you know, I just wanted an excuse to get someone else from Mortal Kombat on the show. <laughs> you you're chasing clout. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you gotta chase that Mortal Kombat clout. <laughs> there you go. No, man, but, but that's that, you know, I, I'll say it, you know, I'll say it, you know, just segue into it. I really like your noob cybot. Oh, thank you. I mean, I know it's polarizing. I know it's, you know, a very polarizing voice, but I like it because it fits the character and the character has always been like a dumb henchman who thinks mm. he's kind of a badass, but not really. <laughs> cause, cause that's, that, that's how I, that's how I see it. Like, I mean, cause he's always been like, 
Because he didn't have a character before this. He was always just like, oh, he was the original Sub-Zero, and then he came back as this ghost character. Right. And then you're just... But what I love about Mortal Kombat 11 is that they try to actually make these characters more than just stereotypes. Or just, <laughs> like, one, one-dimensional one whatever. Right. <laughs> I do... It, it's interesting, then, in the case of Noob Saibot, because uh, there doesn't seem to be any middle ground in terms of how people responded to both his character and, and how I perform it. Um, I've seen some people argue that uh, Noob Saibot in Mortal Kombat 9, I think it was, was actually a, a more... Uh, layered representation when it comes to my noob cybot people either think he's like the saturday morning you know camp villain who's just full of darkness and evil and that's why they love him so much is because he takes himself so seriously um but there's just as many people who seem to hate him because they're like oh my god now he's just this edgelord hot topic reject um and and he's so one-dimensional and ghosty and he's garbage and i hate him so it doesn't bother me either way you know i'm not bothered by people who think that it's like the worst representation of the character so far but i i do find it funny that uh it's either one way or the other there's very few people that are just like eh, you know he's okay he's not one of my favorites but he's not terrible either it's it's extreme ends of the spectrum for him so there are no noob cybot centrists out there <laughs> You know, I feel like they're, they are the minority. No, but I mean, because I'll, I always say, like, it doesn't matter if you get, like, a negative or positive reaction. As long as you get, like, a reaction, you're doing something right. Uh-huh. Like, that's that's the way I see it anyway. I mean, you can di- you agree to disagree, but I mean, you know. No, for sure. I mean, the, the stuff that sticks to me, like a performance, like, you know, because there are some performances where I'm just like, eh. That's okay. That's whatever. But like the stuff that really <laughs> sticks with sticks with me is like something that's really good or really terrible. Like, cause right. I really don't think about the middle ground. I really don't go out. You know, when I when I hear like m- most voice actors' performances, I usually don't don't go go out of it going, oh, you know, guard number three was really good. <laughs> you know, or guard number three was was you know was kind of okay, or something like that. I usually right. just focus on, wow, this guy was really cool, or wow, this guy was really shit. <sighs> no, I mean, but but you know, go, going into that, like, do, do you do you find it weird, like, getting like fan interaction, you know, both positive and negative from people, from people? I think I think it's really important uh, in both sides of the conversation. For me, to the fan or to the supporter, I think it's important that they're able to have that interaction with someone that they look up to and to see that the person helping to produce the localizations of games or shows that they really enjoy is someone who's also passionate about the industry and and wants to be involved and cares about the project and the character as much as they do. Um, And for someone like me, uh, the performer interacting with the fan, I think it's really important for me socially because uh, this is kind of my way of getting to socialize and interact with people you know, uh, a big point that I bring up is since January, since towards the end of January of this year, I had been working nonstop. So I was just just had something to record for every single day. Um, it was very rare that I had any personal time to myself once I got back from performing for the day. And so a lot of my time was either working or playing video games. It wasn't, you know, interacting with other people. And so uh, when I get to go to these conventions, when I get to have these opportunities to talk to others about the shows that I've done or the games that I've done, or even just shows and games that we're looking forward to, whether it's we're hoping it gets localized or it is getting localized and we really want to watch or play it, um, that's my way of getting to share my excitement and my passion with someone who has a similar interest. Um, and especially it's my way of being able to connect with the communities that I I passively end up becoming a part of or indirectly end up becoming a part of because I voiced a character that is relevant to those communities. Um, so it provides, it provides value for both of us. I, I think it's, I'm really glad that I get the chance to show that, Hey, you know, I'm part of this group too. Um, I really enjoy these projects. I'm so proud that I get to be a part of it. You know, I love Jojo's Bizarre Adventure in this example. And the fact that I get to play Guido Mista and say all these ridiculous things is really fun for me. And I like making it fun for you. And uh, the reverse is true, where I, I like being able to 
in a little in the in a little sense find a bit of validation but also get to see the impact that I have through communicating with people who have enjoyed the stuff that I became a part of and and does it still feel weird to you like watching the stuff you're in or is it just normal it doesn't actually happen as as often as you think that I would get the chance to to watch the stuff that I have been a part of um a lot of it in terms of games is because a lot of the games I've voiced for are not genres that I typically play, but they used to be the old excuse. The new, the new one is, well, no, now there's plenty of games that I might be interested in playing, like I, the Somnium Files or East uh, Lacrimosa of Donna, but uh, I just don't have time for them. Like, I have such a huge game backlog. I'm trying to work on Mystery Dungeon DX right now because Animal Crossing comes out in less than two days. And I'm super, super close to being dr- done with Dragon Quest XI, but I shelved that aside because uh, Mystery Dungeon DX came out. So it's just this constant running and ever-increasing backlog of, of stuff that I need to try and find time to get to, which uh, I, I guess I may end up having that time over the next couple of weeks if these lockdowns continue. But I think eventually... I will have a proper chance to go back and play some of those games. You know, I, I really am excited for Mary Skelter 2, um, which I voiced Mamoru in, and I believe he acts as, like, one of the central shopkeepers uh, in the second game. So it'd be really cool getting to hear myself every time you go into restock or sell off, you know, what you found in the dungeons. And there are a couple games coming out uh, sometime this year, I believe, uh, one of which I have been exceptionally excited to finally get the chance to play. Like, I was already planning on playing this nonstop once it came out, even if I wasn't involved, and then I ended up getting to be a part of it, and now my excitement for that has increased tenfold. So um, it's it's an exciting time. I, I'm excited to be able to talk about it with people, and I'm even more excited to be able to play them hopefully soon enough. I mean, then that's that's one of the things I noticed. Like, it's really hard for me as well, which is just like finding time to play these really long games. That's why I'm like, I just play Mortal Kombat because it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's simple. Like, you know, you can get like a couple uh, hours or two from from Mortal Kombat because it's just like, you know, the grind in that game isn't isn't uh, once you get used to it, it's not it's not you know, it's not anything it's not anything too time consuming. Whereas right. if I'm, whereas if I'm playing like Batman Arkham Arkham City. And I'm trying to do everything, like get get all the Riddler trophies and do all the side quests and and do all the story missions. It it, t- it takes time, man. It takes a right. lot of time, for sure. And and I just like recently beat like uh, Arkham Asylum and and, and City, um, for the first time in like ten or so years now. Because I only played those games once when they first came out, and I you know got the Return to Arkham. Um, Return to Arkham set like real cheap, <coughs> real, real cheap at a con, and right. I'm kind of and I kind of thought to myself, do these games? You know, I want to play these games again to see if they aged well or if they still hold up. And you know, spoiler alert, they're still really good. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but but yeah, I, I can relate, man, because like there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that I want to play, but I'm like, ah, oh, man, I, I don't have the time. I really don't have the time. <laughs> I mean, Doom is another one. Like, I, I really want to play Doom Eternal, but I'm like, I, I don't, ha- I don't know if I'm gonna have the time for that. Right. And, but you know, speaking of like, you no, know, not not finding the time. Do 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 you think that, um, you know, do you think that um, Let's Plays help out with that? Like, you know, because I end up like watching, you know, a lot oh, of Let's Plays. Oh, they help plays. significantly. They help significantly. Uh, the the one example, the big example that always comes to mind for me is uh, YouTube user Johnny uh, Johnny Awesome who does a lot of uh, Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games, um, I really respect the work that he does because he will do a full playthrough of the game. You know, he'll do Let's Play commentary and he'll talk about the strategies that he's using. Uh, but whenever the cutscenes come up, whenever there's voiceover, um, or when the cutscenes come up, if there's no voiceover, he will often perform as the characters. Uh, he'll do his best impressions or he'll do what he thinks they sound like. Um but when there is voiceover, I really like that Johnny will he'll stop talking and he'll let the voiceover play uh, uh, for itself. You know, he may make commentary or respond to what characters have said, but he makes sure that he doesn't move on to the next line of dialogue uh, until he's done saying what he wants to say and he's ready to let us hear the the acting come through. And that's really important to me for a couple reasons. One, you know, I really enjoy that I have a way of seeing the games that otherwise I, I may not play. Sorry about that alarm. Um, 
uh, you know, Shin Megami Tensei is a good franchise. It's a good series, but I'm not uh, a personal fan of the way the battle and fusion mechanics work. So it's just not something I see myself spending time on. But I absolutely wanted to see my how my performance sounded in the finished product. And so Johnny Awesome's Let's Play for Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse was how I got to experience hearing what I did in the final product. Um, so it, it does it does make a big difference, and not only just for hearing finished products, but for practicing as well. I feel like people who might want to get into voiceover as a career should seriously look into um, uh, they should seriously look into doing let's plays if that's something that interests them in the first place, and even either let's plays or just straight up streaming. Um, I know for a fact that if I had the proper setup for it, I would want to stream the games that I'm playing, and I would probably do voices for them as I was playing them. Last year, I was playing uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Mystery Dungeon Explorers of Sky, and I, I was just enthralled with a lot of the characters that I would experience, uh, come across during the cutscenes, like Chadot, for example, and I would want to do character voices for them. I would want to, I would want to voice their lines out. And whenever I had friends visiting at the time in preparation for conventions, uh, I had friends that were willing enough to just kind of sit down with me while I was playing the game, and and we would voice the scenes, no different than what my brother and I would do when we were way, way younger, before I even understood what voiceover was. So, yes, uh, to to give a five-second answer on top of the five-minute answer I just gave, uh, Let's Plays contribute greatly both to experiencing and practicing voiceover. I mean, yeah, because, and, and a lot of time is like, you know, I, I used to think like, oh, Let's Plays are stupid. Why would you want to watch someone else play the game? But then, you know, as I got older and realized that I, that I personally had, don't have time to play a lot of these games and I kind of want to mm-hmm. see the finished product, I'll just watch a Let's Play. Like, there's mm-hmm. not, nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I'll, I'll get, I'll get entertained at the end of the day, you know, and I'll know what the, what the finished product looked like. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would have just, Probably bought like a, a probably bought a game and it'll just sh- sit on the shelf and and then I'll never play it because you know I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's pretty apt. That's a pretty apt way of putting it. Yeah. So anyone who says let's plays are kind of useless, no, they're they're wrong because they do <laughs> they do benefit. So uh, my my next question is, um, do, do you um, how do I put this? Um, do do you do you find it weird like do you find it weird like you, you know if you know do you, do you find it weird like how how um how uh starstruck people get when they find out that you did the voice of like Ravali in in um in Breath of the Wild? Do I, <laughs> sorry, do I find it strange or yeah, what, what was the adjective? Uh, do do you ahead. find it strange that that? Uh, well, that... I mean, it makes sense to me. It's. Uh, <laughs> I think because of the mentality I have where I just kind of remind myself that I'm just a human being doing my own thing. I don't put a lot of weight on it, um, but I can understand how it's it's a big deal for someone else. You know, I should take it the same way if we go back to the Ryan Reynolds example. You know, Ryan Reynolds is probably someone who's very similar to me. He's an actor who's very, you know, comical, laid back. He likes to have fun and he takes his job seriously. Uh, but I understand that if I ran into Ryan Reynolds and – you know, I was able to have a conversation with him and, and, you know, tell him how much his work means to me and he were to respond, I would probably feel a little starstruck. I'd be like, yo, this guy's probably super busy. He probably has more important things to be doing versus talking to me. Um, so it's easy enough for me to understand that, that, you know, me choosing to take part in things or to talk to people may be a really big deal to them. Um, you know, like I said before, I, I, wouldn't be mad if it wasn't such a big deal just because uh i don't like when people limit themselves because they feel like they're not worthy um i will say it's amusing though because you know i have friends who they know the work i do and it's super chill and they know that i don't make a big deal out of it so it's like yeah yeah you voice in breath of the wild hey i own that game you know that's really cool but then you get what i call secondary or tertiary uh starstruck moments where um, someone brings up that, you know, they've been like really enjoying Rivali as a character or they've been super addicted to Breath of the Wild. And one of my friends, uh, just as part of the conversation will be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm friends with the guy who voices Rivali. And, you know, the person that they're talking to will be like, wait, what? No way. You, you kidding me? That's not possible. Um, so I just think that's really funny that, you know, 
I don't make a big deal out of it, but sometimes even just knowing me is enough for people to freak out about it. No, I mean, I've, I've done that before. I mean, because whenever, like, the subject of voice actors comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that person. I, I actually talked to them on the show. <laughs> right, there you go. It's like, what? How? Because yep. Yep. <laughs> they're just people, man. They're just people like yes. you and me. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Uh. Do Do you ever see? Uh. What? Uh. It's kind of weird that I'm asking this, but but I mean, you you do a lot of like anime stuff, and you've been pretty busy, like as you said, you know, this this past year. Do you ever see? Do you ever see see yourself ever like slowing down? <sighs> what do you mean by slowing down? Like I mean, where that come where it comes to that point where you know the work, uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like the um where um i don't, I don't know <laughs> God, um shit yeah, there sorry will always, there will always be you know there will be peak periods and slow periods you know right now i'm coming off of a peak period where like i said i was working constantly pretty much every single day starting on january 21st uh but there have been slow periods for example uh 2018 uh, from January to April, I did almost nothing. Like I, I had some repeat work from existing projects, but from January to April of 2018, I did not manage to book a single new studio gig, despite the fact that I was auditioning every single day, uh, often multiple times a day. So there will be those slow periods, and that's why it's important for me to make sure that I'm, you know, finding ways to fill the time, whether it's through workshops or other methods of learning or practicing. Or just reminding myself to take time for myself and be able to relax if I've been doing good work the last couple of weeks. Um, if you mean slowing down in terms of taking a uh, lesser interest in voiceover, that's hard for me to say just because, you know, right now I'm in the thick of it. This is what I'm enjoying. I don't want to change anything about it. Um, but, uh, you know, things can always change. You know, I, there was a point where I... Uh, you know, I've always wanted to get into animation. I want to get into streaming. Uh, you know, who knows if maybe if I get into streaming that that's something I want to do more regularly than voiceover where I might be willing to pass up on voiceover roles. I don't think that's going to be the case, but, you know, never say never. Um, in terms of if I plan on retiring, now that's really far in the future. I don't think I can I, – I can say what my thoughts are right now, but I, I'm not putting any weight on them because so much could change between now and then. But right now, I feel like this is a career I would want to be a part of until I die. I think it's more likely that I would drop dead in the middle of a recording session than be like, yeah, you know, I think I've done enough. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Um, so it, it there's always the risk that things may slow down. There's always the risk that developments may happen in the industry that either I'm not uh, on the upkeep fast enough to stay relevant or where I just decide it's too much work to bother or it's, it's too much of a change for me to bother. But I feel pretty confident in saying that, you know, this is something I really identify with. This is something that means a lot to me that I find is a, a, uh, it's a good challenge without being impossible. Um, and it's something that I want to continue to be a part of for the foreseeable future. And, and that's great. I mean, it's, it's good to be passionate about the stuff you're doing. Otherwise, why the hell are you doing it? <laughs> There you go. Exactly. It's it's really what it boils down to. I'm I'm sorry if I'm you know not not wording things properly. I'm just kind of. No, no. I'm probably the one being too wordy. Because so. <laughs> I usually struggle with like trying to word things properly because you know English isn't my first language and you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. It, it, do you um. Do you ever do you, um out of all the the voices you've done which one do you say would you say was the most uh stressful for you vocally uh out of the voice roles that I've yeah, done Yeah um oh man vocally probably the most stressful is one that I'm doing right now I can't talk about it yet in any further detail but the reason why it's so vocally stressful is like this character's normal speaking voice is if we're talking on like a 1 to 10 scale 
if most characters' speaking voices are like a five as an average, this character's normal speaking voice is like an eight to an eight and a half. And then when it's projected, it's more like a nine to a nine and a half. When he's shouting, it's like a, an 11. It's, it's so vocally intense just because I'm spending two hours every single time I record for this just basically yelling, just yelling nonstop. Um, and that really wears me out. Like it's, it's, I, I know it's going to be a vocally stressful job. If every time I'm booked for that job, I have to tell clients, you know, I am not available for the rest of the day after I do this session. Uh, and that definitely qualifies as one of those roles. Noob Cybot was definitely one of them. Um, he was a little easier to manage just because it's easier to keep your throat intact to using your lower range, at least for me. Um, but he required a lot of hydration. I, I would go through like, if we assume a, a two-hour session for Noob Cybot, um, I would go through between four and six bottles of water in that two-hour session, uh, just constantly, constantly, constantly hydrating and rehydrating. Um, those are those are the two that immediately come to mind in terms of just consistent vocal stress. Uh, there is a gig that I finished up a couple months ago that was vocally stressful in spurts. Uh, we went all the way from whispers to death screams. Uh, but that one was definitely the roughest in terms of the stuff that I had to do, be, uh, even in short bursts, because that had stuff like, you know, screaming for help while burning alive. That one had like getting your throat slit and choking to death on your own blood. Um, you know, that's the session that now I have a con story about it, because uh, while making one of those gross, like, you know, gagging on your own vomit or blood sounds, uh, I actually went a little bit too far and activated my gag reflex and I threw up a little bit <laughs> in my mouth. And, um, you know, I was so apologetic. I felt so gross. But the director was like, you know, first of all, that you're not the only person this has happened to. But second of all, you are the only person who stayed on mic while you did it. So we can actually use that take. So now I'm, I'm very excited for when that project comes out because I'm going to get to tell people, hey, you know, if you if you hear this guy who sounds like, He's throwing up when he does this little uh, uh, this little effect. Hey, good news! That might actually be him throwing up, and that's because it might be me. Talk about method acting. <laughs> <sighs> no, but I mean, like that's that you know. Uh, and do you worry, like you know, the the, the long term uh, effects that that, that 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 stuff might have on your throat? Uh, I do, you know, uh, a lot of it can be mitigated with proper vocal rest, uh, before and after those types of sessions. But I know that there are some actors who deliberately choose not to take on those roles because they know the current voice that they have and they are nervous that if they do enough of those strenuous roles, they may permanently damage or, you know, not like prevent themselves from being able to work, but just slightly alter their vo uh, their voice in a way where they no longer have access to those roles that they get booked as most often. So it's definitely something that actors need to keep in mind and make a choice for themselves on what they're willing to risk and how much of it they're willing to risk. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't take jobs that you know are going to be too painful <clears throat> on your throat. Right. And you shouldn't take anything that you, cannot, you can't replicate in, a, in an audition. Exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, um, trying to think. Um, do you have any any tips about try avoiding vocal damage? Um, you know, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, the biggest thing is just know your limits in the first place. Um, and that means you know staying hydrated throughout the day consistently, not just when you're about to be performing or when you're in the middle of performing. That means minimizing the volume at which you're speaking. Uh, that's a big problem that I have to deal with is that I will often uh, talk too loudly for the situation where I don't need to be as loud as I am being. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm like trying to, to figure out how I want to use my words. Uh, especially for me, after a vocally stressful session, the most important thing is to, you know, hydrate and, and, and get yourself, you know, whatever you use to take care of your throat, whether that's, you know, ginger tea, like I'm sipping on right now during this interview or during this podcast episode, or if it's, uh, throat coat, you know, there's Chinese throat coat that a lot of people I know here in Los Angeles use all the time, um, and then once you've got that sitting on your throat, you need to just shut up. You just need to not talk uh, and allow your throat the chance to actually relax itself and rest. 
because if, if you're talking it, if you're using it, even if you're just humming or making small noises, you're not letting it sit at rest and recover from all the friction that you've created when you're you're rubbing your vocal cords together in order to create sound. Um, uh, you know, if you're sick, you shouldn't be performing. If if you if your throat is sore, you shouldn't be overextending yourself. Uh, a lot of it is just knowledge of yourself and your limits, and and knowing when to say no and when to the, respect those limits in the first place. Um, so uh, outside of that, you know, do your vocal warm ups. You want to make sure you're ready to perform before you start performing, or you're going to damage your throat a lot quicker. Um, yeah, those are those are all important facets. It's you know the same way you would take care of yourself in terms of of your body just to prevent from like getting a cold. Um, a lot of them overlap with taking care of your throat as a voice actor so that you can continue to perform. And and do you do you, do you like watch when you're watching stuff you know with that has like when you're playing a game or like watching something with your con- contemporaries? Do you take notes you know of of their performance? Or do you just... All the time, all the time. You know, uh, a good the quote that goes around is a good actor borrow, a great actor steals. Um, and especially in the active part of part of the industry, when it comes to auditioning and and seeing, you know, finished products that you might have auditioned for but didn't book a role. You know, listen to who did book the role. Try and figure out what they did that you didn't do, or what approach they might have taken to the character that ended up getting them cast especially if you're seeing the same names over and over and over again. You know, you get to my part of the industry where I have a lot of audition opportunities. You also tend to see the same names over and over and over again when it comes to, you know, who, what kind of roles am I trying out for? Who do I typically hear book those roles? And so I should study the people that are booking as often or more often than I do, or even even if it's less often, if they're booking roles that I really wanted, (coughs) I should learn from that and be able to add it to my repertoire so that I have more options to pull out from next time. Um, and then, obviously, uh, as new media is coming out, you know, as new genres are coming out, um, it's important for us to learn from, not compete against our colleagues in the industry. Uh, just because, you know, if we come across a role that, you know... It, that the client is having trouble casting for or that they want us to try out for. And we don't think that we're the best fit. We can be like, you know, I, I have a good idea. I think you might want to reach out to so-and-so and have them try out for this. I know that they've done this kind of role in the past, or I have a really good feeling that they would, they would know what to do for this type of character. And the reverse is true where we kind of hope that if a situation ever came up where one of our colleagues was presented with a character that they think someone like me would be a good fit for, that they would be willing to do that kind of referral and say, Hey, you should get in contact with Sean Chiplock. You know, he does this kind of character a lot, and I, I think he'd be an amazing fit. I like working with him. So it, it all harkens back to that, you know, work with, not against uh, mentality that's so important to this industry. I mean, that's what, that's what the great thing about voiceover is to, to me. Like, the great, great thing about the voiceover community is that there is, like, you know, there is competition, but at the same time, you know, they're very supportive. It's not. You know, it's not like, you know, someone's out to get a role and just saying and trying to to backstab everybody to get to get to that to that role. You know, right. You know, I mean, it's they're very supportive. It's it's kind of amazing, really, especially considering, you know, you hear a lot of stories about actors and how much now the behind the scenes shit that goes on around um, on big budget movies and how, you know, sometimes, you know, they, they'll, you know, act like complete dicks. But. I've yet to talk to a voice actor who I felt came off as a legit asshole. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Uh, um, what, and do you, do you, uh, I mean, when you look back on one of your performances, do you, um, do you, do you put, do you, do you make a list of like the stre- the strengths and weaknesses of each performance? Way more often than you'd imagine. Um, I can tend to be a really heavy critic of my own work. Uh, hold on just a second. I can't hear you. Sorry. Um, so, uh, you know, I often tend to be a really harsh critic of my own work. Um, uh, and it's very rare that I will look back on a role and be like, hey, you know, I, I'm really proud of what I did here. Uh, there's not much that I would have changed. 
Uh, a rare example of that is ReZero. ReZero was a show that I was incredibly proud of the stuff that I did. And it's part of why I'm so bummed that it got uh, stiffed the way that it did. I feel like it just because of the way things turned out with the marketing and the distribution um, and how the, the contract with Crunchyroll ended up ending shortly after the show came out, uh, it didn't really get a chance to shine like a, a lot of other shows that came out around the same time. Um, but I, as I get better the frequency of me doubting my own work uh, decreases. But it is very common for me to listen to stuff that I did maybe even two, three years ago and be like, <clears throat> oh, I would have done this differently. Oh, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not happy with how this scene came out. I wish I could have had a little bit more time with this. But I think it's important to understand that as long as you do the best work you can do and you push yourself to give your best effort at that time, uh, at least you can move forward without any regrets and be like, yeah, you know, I'm better now. I have a better understanding now, but I have knowledge now that I didn't back then. And I still did the best that I could back then with what I had. So I try not to dwell on it too much. I mean, yeah, because if you dwell on it too much, you, you're going to, you know, go into an audition thinking, oh man, I'm, I'm never going to top that performance or something right. like that. Magic of editing. Um, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> uh i i actually lost count sorry <laughs> what are we talking about again uh what were the what was the last thing we were talking about i think you know uh, you were asking uh, uh, about how uh keeping notes about your performances what was it oh yes yeah yeah yes about about self-reviewing yeah um so you know i try to i take a healthy mix uh, one of the things that they teach you once you uh get into the busier side of the industry is to just send it and forget it. The idea of, uh, it applies to auditioning or auditioning in the sense of, you know, do your best work when you audition, you, you know, do what you feel it will be a good representation of your abilities and you send it off. And then as soon as you send it off, just forget about it. Don't think about it. Don't go back and constantly be like, Oh, you know, I, I should have done this differently or I should have delivered this line a certain way, uh, because you're going to eat yourself alive. And then there's, or worse yet, you're going to, uh, try and and replace your audition, you know, try and be like, never mind, you know, don't use that, use this instead, you know, I like this one better, and it's going to just make you look unprofessional. Um, the same thing can be applied to performances as well. You know, it's important to go back and, and look at, you know, what uh, what you feel worked, what you feel didn't, and, and put yourself in the headspace of, okay, you know, now that I'm aware, you know, I, I think I could have improved on this a little bit, so I'll, I'll focus on this going forward, or I'll practice this more going forward. But you should only use it in regards to giving yourself a guideline of of what to do in the future rather than dwelling on the past and be like, oh, this was awful. I'm so upset that this is out there. You know, I'm a fraud. I'm not, you know, I shouldn't be in this industry. It's about looking at it constructively rather than destructively. And I think that's that goes for any profession. You know, looking back at one's work is always gonna, you know, you're you're always gonna be your your own biggest critic. Right, I, for I, sure. I, I mean, every time I listen to one of my old podcasts, I'm like, oh, I should ask this, I should ask that. Yeah, I, I hope I didn't come off too awkward and or whatever. But you know, if I dwell on that too much, I wouldn't. I wouldn't honestly just give up. If honestly, right. if I if I had like dwelled on dwell if I dwell on the past, I would never move on. And I think that's an important lesson for any any profession is that if you re if you're really passionate about something and you really want to do it, don't linger on what you don't linger on the past and th and constantly ask yourself what could have happened. Just focus right. on the here and now. For sure. Yeah. Um. God, I, I re honestly don't have any more questions to ask. To be quite oh, honest. I didn't realize we were. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize we were that close to being done. Oh my god! Because <laughs> uh, it's because I'm so used to the short short format <laughs> where it's like forty or something odd minutes, and then right. And oh man, I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Um, try, trying to think. Um, I mean, what what else? What else is there to cover? To be quite honest, because I think we covered all the, the stuff that needed to be covered. Right. Uh, I don't know. Is there is there any new questions that came up as a result of how I answered other things, or? Um, you know, I mean, self review. We already talked about that. Um, studying others, studying peers. Um, no, not really. All right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much for making the time for me. I know that things got a little crazy right towards the end of it, but I'm glad that we were able to make it work out. 
Uh, I hope that you feel like you got uh, some interesting answers and that you got what you were looking for out of this. I I did. I think I did. And um, before we go, um, can you plug your social media? Yeah. Uh, Easiest way to follow me right now is Twitter, which is at Sonic Mega. Think Sonic and Mega Man, two of my favorite characters, just without the man at the end, because I still feel like a kid in some respects. Um, So at Sonic Mega, definitely a place to follow. It's where all my announcements happen. It's where I do raffle giveaways. I literally just gave out a a free copy of Animal Crossing New Horizons a couple days ago. Um, And uh, it's definitely where most of my memes end up getting shared and posted anyway. So that's the big one right now. So follow, go bother him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Th- thanks again, man. Thanks for taking the time off to do this, especially considering all the craziness that's going on right now. Yeah. Who who do you have on your sites uh, for um, who do you have on your sites for upcoming podcast uh, episodes? Nobody. <laughs> no one. You don't have anyone. You you don't have anyone particular that you want to get on the show. Like why? Why are you asking? <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just like, hey. Are, I just thought, what's what's next on your itinerary? <laughs> oh boy, I don't think it's gonna be easy considering all the, the this this stupid virus. It's gonna make this so much dif- more difficult than it already is. Ah, uh, that's true. But I mean, okay. Well, I wish you luck. I hope that that when you figure out where you want to go from here, that um that you're able to get the people that you want on your show. I'm very grateful that you picked me. <laughs> I mean, if you weren't Noob Cybot, I wouldn't have bothered, to be quite honest. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Well, I'm very I'm very grateful that I voiced Noob Cybot then. Thank you. No, nah, I'm being silly. I, I like your stuff. You're you're cool. <laughs> nah, man. No, nah, I'm going to stick to that now. I'm, I'm quitting all jobs. Unless I, unless I get booked as Noob Cybot, I'm, I'm quitting voiceover forever. And when people ask, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on you. I'm going to say thank you. So Abdullah for for reaching out to me and and helping me see the light. <laughs> Take care, man. <laughs> Take care, dude. Thank you very much.